You're listening to a sermon preached at University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website, upc.org. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen. The Bible tells us, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. And if you're breathing today, you are a candidate for praise. Let's give the gospel choir another hand. Thank them for ushering us into the presence of the Lord. Amen. Amen. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. Amen. Well, this, these past uh, few weeks, we have been uh, preaching and teaching through the gospel of Mark, and you have been gathering in small groups uh, to increase your uh, gospel fluency and understanding what it really means to get the gospel into our spiritual system where we live it out as brothers and sisters in Christ. On last Sunday, Pastor George did an excellent job in helping us understand the relationship between gospel and suffering and uh, gave us some language uh, to use when we interact with one another as brothers and sisters as we go through suffering, uh, sometimes individually or together. Today we want to talk about the gospel and worship, uh, the relationship between the gospel and worship. And if you're able to stand, I do ask, I know you've been standing for a while, but we do ask that you stand at this time and turn to your pew Bibles uh, to page 826, page 826. One of the things that uh, some of the, some of my friends have told me that, you know, when you turn 50, you, things start leaving you. And uh, I noticed that my eyesight has gotten worse. I have to take my glasses off just to read the Bible. And that just happened when I turned 50. Mark chapter 14, verses 1 through 9. Uh, let us read together. It was two days before the Passover and the festival of unleavened bread. The chief priests and the scribes were looking for a way to arrest Jesus by stealth and kill him. For they said, not during the festival, and there may be a riot among the people. While he was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at the table, a woman came with an alabaster jar, a very costly ointment of nard. And she broke open the jar and poured the ointment on his head. But some were who said to one another in anger, why was the ointment wasted in this way? But this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and the money given to the poor. And they scolded her. But Jesus said, let her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has performed a good service for me. For you always have the poor with you, and you can show kindness to them whenever you wish. But you do not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for its burial. Truly I tell you, wherever the good news is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in remembrance of her. 
This is the word of the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. If I would use as a subtitle for this uh, passage of scripture for this lesson today, it would be when our worship is real. When our worship is real. So the question comes today, how do we know when our worship is real? Is it when we go to church and sing in the choir? Is it when we give of our time and serve on a particular ministry in the church? What does true worship look like? What does genuine worship look like? I'm glad you asked that question. We're going to try to answer that today. Because sometimes I think we, we get true worship uh, mixed up with the, the, the things that we do in, t- in church. We get that mixed up. But I think when we really think about worship, worship is a way of life. Uh, worship really is what we do from Monday through Sunday. Uh, Dr. John R. Stott said that really worship happens Monday through Sunday. And so whatever we do all the way up till Sunday, it brings into sharp focus what we do here on Sunday morning. And so everything we do Monday through Saturday is an expression and we bring it to the church and we worship God in spirit and in truth. And so brothers and sisters, I think uh, this lesson today helps us to understand what real worship looks like. Uh, We are introduced to a woman in our uh, passage today of we don't know her name if, if Mark just told the story, but we find that John and as well as uh, Matthew begin to tell us that her name is Mary. And many of us know Mary. Mary is the sister of Lazarus. Uh, Lazarus had died and uh, Mary and Martha were waiting for Jesus to show up. And it took Jesus three days to, to get to where uh, Mary and Martha were. And when Jesus showed up, Mary was the first one who got to Jesus and she landed there at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And we know the story. Jesus, the scripture says that Jesus wept and he didn't weep because uh, of Lazarus dying, but he wept because of the unbelief. And Jesus tells Mary a life-changing truth, he tells her that I am the resurrection. And Mary said, well, Jesus, I got that. I understand that. I know that there will be a resurrection coming one day. But Jesus said, no, you don't understand. I'm the resurrection now. I can make it happen right now if I want to. And so uh, Jesus walks up to the tomb where Lazarus is, is buried, and he says, Lazarus, come forth. Now, I'm so glad that he just called Lazarus' name because if he had called, if he had just said, come forth, everybody would have gotten up from the grave. (laughs) But it was in that, that experience that Mary began to realize who Jesus really was. But that's not the only time that Mary began to encounter who Jesus really was. One day, Jesus shows up at Martha and Mary's house and They wanted to show some appreciation for what Jesus had done in raising Lazarus from the dead. 
And the scripture tells us that Mary sits at Jesus' feet while Martha is in the kitchen cooking fried chicken and collard greens. <laughs> well, she, she may not have been cooking that, but if you allow me to use my imagination. But Martha gets upset with Mary and Martha goes to the living room and Martha doesn't say anything to Mary. She goes straight to Jesus and said, Jesus, can't you tell my sister to come into the kitchen and help me? And Jesus turns around and he looks at Martha. And you know, whenever Jesus calls your name twice, you're in trouble. And so he says, Martha, Martha, you're more concerned about a whole lot of things, but Mary has chosen that better part. She has chosen to sit at my feet and worship me. And so we find Mary having these encounters with Jesus, and she begins to discover who Jesus really is. And now here in this particular passage of Scripture, we, we begin to see another side of, of Mary's encounter with, with Jesus. We get a glimpse of what, what it looks like when our worship is real. We are introduced to Mary and we're introduced to her in such a way that she begins to model the behavior that Jesus wants to see in all of us as followers of him. So what does real worship look like? Look at, look at verse, verses one through three. First of all, we see that Mary teaches us that our worship is real when we bring our best to Jesus. When we bring our best to Jesus, look at verses 1 through 3. It says, it was two days before the Passover and the festival of unleavened bread. The chief priests and the scribes were looking for a way to arrest Jesus by stealth and kill him. For they said, not during the festival, uh, or they may there may be a riot among the people. And so they understood that this was a holy time, this was a holy day, but still there was an undercurrent of them plotting to kill Jesus. Now also they wanted to kill Lazarus again. Now he had already been risen from the dead, but now they want to kill Lazarus because Lazarus is the proof that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And so as the story unfolds in verse 3, it says, while he was at Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper. As he sat at the table, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very costly ointment of nard, and she broke open the jar and poured the ointment on his head. She gave her best to Jesus. This was more than likely, this was the only thing that Mary had that was any of any worth. The perfume that Mary poured on Jesus' head was perhaps the most expensive thing that she possessed. And it's not every day that Jesus shows up and, and what John says about Mary that when, when Mary, when Jesus showed up, uh, Mary began to wash Jesus' feet with her hair. And you know, I begin to think about that. If there's ever a time for a woman to let her hair down, it's when Jesus is in the house. And so Jesus, Jesus and Mary, Mary begins to pour this, this very costly ointment, this nard on Jesus. And this, this nard is so expensive that it, it can only be found and retrieved from the mountains in India. 
Uh, it, it was very costly and and Mary begins to pour it on Jesus' head and it says that she broke the top of it and began to pour it on his head. The implication here is that it could never be used again. It said in the Middle East that whenever someone is given a person of high notoriety is given a drink that they typically take the glass and break it so it could never be used again. So this is what Mary had in mind, that, that Mary gave the, the best that she had. Mary's action speak very loudly to us. Her identity is now rooted in Christ, not in her family, not in her past, not in her failures, but her identity is rooted in who Jesus is. A transformation had taken place in her life. Uh, Mary had been transformed from the inside out. Mary had become her true self as a result of having experience or having an encounter with Jesus Christ. Uh, Dr. Howard Thurman, that great mystic theologian uh, who was uh, a mentor to Dr. Martin Luther King, taught at Morehouse College, uh, said in one of his statements, in this book he wrote called Meditations of the Heart, he says, if you cannot hear the sound of the genuine in you, you will all of your life spend your days on the ends of strings that somebody else pulls. Let me say that again. You may have missed it. If you cannot hear the sound of the genuine, the real you, that you that connects to God, you will all of your life spend your days on the ends of strings that somebody else pulls. Mary, at this point in her life, had resolved that, Jesus, you are the only one worthy to pull my strings. Mary had resolved in her life, she said, no longer will I allow my sister Martha to pull my strings. No longer will I allow Lazarus to pull my strings. No longer will I allow the religious leaders of the day to pull my strings. But Jesus, you are the only one who's worthy to pull my strings. The question comes today, who's pulling your strings today? Is someone pulling your strings? They're not worthy. If they didn't die for you, they're not worthy to pull your strings. If they didn't, if they didn't rise from the dead for you, then they're not worthy to pull your strings. Certainly, everyone, people, significant others in your life, that certainly they deserve the influence and they deserve to, the, the, they deserve to be, you, they need to hear you out or what have you, but Jesus is the only one that is worthy to pull your strings. That's what Mary had resolved in her life at this point because Mary had spent her life looking for love in all the wrong places, but now she has found true love in Jesus Christ. She has found true love. Secondly, secondly, Mary also teaches us that real worship requires proximity. It, re it requires proximity. In other words, Mar Mary had to Get close to Jesus. Uh, Mary had to be right where Jesus was. Uh, it, it says that she, I don't know if this was even Mary's place. This was, this was Mary's house, but 
Mary showed up at somebody else's house to get to Jesus. And it's clear that in this culture, in a patriarchal society, Mary was in the wrong place based on on culture. That she was not supposed to be around all of those men uh, in front of Jesus. That Mary was not supposed to be where she was. But Mary began to tune everybody out. And she focused, she zeroed in on Jesus. She overcame uh, the, the cultural barriers. Uh, she overcame what the customs of the day were. And she began to focus in on Jesus. And, and she began to focus in him on him such a way that not only did she focus, but she served him. She served him. And of course, when you're that focused on Jesus when you're in proximity. You know, when he, whenever you serve Jesus, you, you got to be serve anyone. You got to be in proximity to them. And it says in verse four, but some were who were there who said to one another in anger, why was this ointment wasted this way? This ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and the woman given and the money given to the poor. And they scolded her. See, the scripture tells us in John that the first person to speak up was Judas. Mark seems to be, wants to keep it a little am, am, ambiguity here. He doesn't want to mention any names, but John calls him out. John said, no, it was Judas who spoke up and then the rest of us agreed. John says that Judas uh, would often take the money out of, he was the treasurer, for the disciples and he would take the money out of the money bag and use it for his own purposes. And one of the things that we see in, in the gospel of Mark, one scholar calls it a Mark and sandwich. Mark has a tendency to take one story and then take another story and then put the meat uh, between the two stories. He takes the white bread of one message and white bread of another message or for those of you who don't eat white bread, the wheat bread of, of that message. And then he puts the meat in the middle. And the meat in the middle is actually this particular story that is told about Mary. And so we see, brothers and sisters, that Mary, Mary is, is so close to Jesus. And see, when our worship is real, we get as close to Jesus as we possibly can. When we worship Jesus, we should be so close to him that nothing can come between he and us. Worship isn't real when there's someone or something between you and Jesus. What's between you and Jesus today? What, what's keeping you from worshiping Jesus like you should? Is it money? Is it your career? Is it a man? Is it a woman? What is it that keeps you from worshiping Jesus like you should? Mary teaches us today that there's nothing that should come between us and Christ if we really want to worship him in the beauty of his holiness. I like the way Dr. Donald Whitney put it in expressing the relationship between the gospel and worship. He puts it this way. He says, people do not decide to become worshipers of God. Rather, the gospel produces worshipers. God 
through the gospel changes a person's nature so that worship changes from mere participation in the outward forms of veneration into adoration and enjoyment of God from the heart. The gospel produces worshipers. When I fathom in my mind how good God is, when I contemplate in my heart how wonderful God is and how what Jesus has done for me on the cross, when I contemplate what Jesus did that no one else could do for me, then the gospel in itself invokes me to worship him. Is there any amens in the house? Amen. And this is where Mary is. This is, this is why Jesus singles out Mary. And one of the things I love about the gospel of Mark, Mark raises uh, the level of women to the surface. In other words, he, he recognizes in a patriarchal society that Mark says that Jesus recognizes and raises the visibility of women, their faith and what they accomplish. And so in the Gospel of Mark, there are 22 women mentioned in the Gospel of Mark. And out of those 22 women, 15 women have done something that Jesus takes notice of. And in this particular passage of Scripture, Mary is one of those individuals that does something that Jesus takes notice of. Amen. You better get that. (laughs) Then we find here... That, that Mark helps us to understand in this last section here that worship is an encounter with Jesus. It's an encounter with Jesus. And we've seen that Mary has had an encounter with Jesus on multiple occasions. But here in verse 6 it says, but Jesus says, let her alone. Let her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has performed a good service for me. For you always have the poor with you. You And you can show kindness to them whenever you wish, but you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for its burial. Truly, I tell you that wherever the good news is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in remembrance of her. Jesus defends Mary again. What I love about Mary, though, if you, if, if you really understand the setting and you see the setting here, Mary doesn't respond to any of the negativity. She tunes everybody out, and she just continues to wash Jesus' feet with her hair. And that's what real worship is. Real worship tunes the negativity out. And we begin to focus in on Jesus. It tunes the haters out in our lives. And we begin to focus in on Jesus and worship him in the beauty of his holiness. What we see here, brothers and sisters, in Mary's life is that you have to tune negative people out. We worship an audience of one. Whenever we worship we, we worship the one who died for us, the one who rose for us, and we set our affections upon him. I want to encourage you today to 
Let your worship be real by focusing on the one who died, rose, and cares for you. What kind of worship does Jesus receive from your life? Is it only when you're here at churches? Are there times in your life where you begin to worship God in your home? Are there times in your life when you begin to worship God when you're just driving down the road and you begin to focus on the goodness of God? Are you so busy planning and running your life that you neglect the precious time with him that he deserves? That God woke you up this morning and wasn't the alarm clock? Or do you respond to him by listening to his word and finding ways to worship him with your life? It is that kind of worship that he longs from each and every one of us. Mary realized that she was broken. She was a broken woman. She realized that she was broken, but she said, I'm going to bring my best to Jesus. She was in tune with Jesus, that her heart and Jesus' heart had connected to one another. That was a story told about a Native American brother who was walking down the street with a businessman, and the Native American stopped and he said, listen, And the businessman said, for what? The businessman, the the Native American said, do you hear it? Hear what? Crickets. Crickets? I don't hear any crickets. Native American continued to try to help the businessman hear what he heard. Oh, they're loud. Just listen. Don't you hear them? Getting a little disgruntled, the businessman said, I don't hear any crickets. Native American looked around and right over on the side, there was a cricket. He went and picked it up. The businessman looked shocked. He says, I can't believe this. We're here downtown with all these people. You and I are talking and you can hear a cricket. I don't know how you did that. Native American reached into his pocket and took out some change. He threw it on the ground, and 20 people turned around and started looking. (laughs) Then he said, you always hear what you're in tune to. You are in tune with money, therefore you hear it. You are going to hear a penny when it's dropped. I am in tune with nature. I hear cricket. A lot of Christians will miss the still small voice of Jesus because they are not in tune to it. Mary actions today shows us that she was in tune with the voice of Jesus Christ. The question comes today, are you in tune with his voice? Because when you are in tune with his voice, you will begin to worship him in the beauty of his holiness. When you don't let anything become between you and Jesus, you, you will be, be in tune when, when he speaks your name like he spoke, spoke Mary's name. You will be in tune with him when you block all of the negativity out. 
Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for the gospel. We thank you, Lord, that we can say with confidence like Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, but in it, it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. Father, we pray that you will help us to worship you in the beauty of your holiness, to worship you in spirit and in truth, not only when we are here at church, but that when we will worship you, Lord, when we get up in the morning, that we will live a lifestyle of worship. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. For more UPC audio or to find out about service times, visit us at upc.org. All online audio is available on CD and cassette. To order copies of sermons and classes, please visit upc.org slash audio, email audio at upc.org, or call 206-524-7301, extension 117.